The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many voices are more powerful than one. When we share ideas, developments, and power, we can achieve anything. Welcome to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. Your hosts are Deetta Jones and Richard Dent. Together, they have made a worthy life that includes a family, two businesses, a foundation, and much more. They're ready to help you find your personal success. Now, here are Deetta and Richard. Hello, and welcome to DJ and DeBear. Hello, Deetta. hello. Go out of here. <laughs> I'm Deetta Jones, your host. I'm a social justice advocate, leadership, and organizational effectiveness coach, speaker, and author. And I am joined by my better three-quarters NFL legend and pro football Hall of Famer, Richard Dent. Say hello, here, here, Richard. Here, here, here. Here, here, I should say. Yeah, good to, good to have you on. I'm going to have to do that intro at some point, but go right here. You do it so well. Nothing it's consistency, wrong it. babe. It's branding. This, you know, this, you just have to mix it up every time. I'll stay the same. You mix it up. How about that? Mm-hmm. So how about, so, so for consistency purposes, let me make sure that our first-time listeners know that between Richard and I, he is the brains and I'm the brawn. No, that's not right, is it? No, that's not. <laughs> he is the beauty and I'm the beast. There we go. <laughs> we're moving now. The As deal just decide, jumped up. We're here to fill the next hour of your lives with thought-provoking ideas, invite you to ask questions and add perspective, and have a few laughs along the way. Our topic for this week is, you know what, I really struggled with the title for this one, and then, I, and then I felt like I nailed it. I like it. Tech equals innovation. Diversity equals innovation. So why doesn't tech equal diversity? And that's what we're going to talk about over the next hour. We're going to talk about hmm. the topic of diversity and Go innovation ahead. in the tech field, right? And we're so, joined by our very special guest, entrepreneur and venture capitalist, Hame Watt. Hello, Hame. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Good of you to be on from sunny, sunny California. You know how many I think California. about you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> 75 degrees. Let me rub it in a little bit. Well, you can rub it in. It's 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 well. Well, I'm the only one here. I think D is in a sunny state. You're in a sunny state. The last few weeks, I've been in the sunny state. So, you know, it's going to get down to like six guys tonight, and tomorrow is supposed to get down to like five. And the next two days is pretty cold. But March is around the corner. So, a couple oh, weeks, you, go. you know. February is gone. I hate to move the brother of the black <laughs> folks special week week or a month away. I don't know why it's so cold, but you know, in some parts of the world it's it's warm. There you go. That's why yeah. <laughs> rushing you rushing us through Black History Month, Richard. Come on yeah, now. Yeah, we got you gotta rush in Chicago you gotta you gotta bless it. But it got to get moving. It's got to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you. Let me, uh, Hamid. Let me take a minute and and uh, 
and describe uh, who you are and what you're bringing to today's show, other than being our dear friend. Hame Watt is a venture partner at Upfront Ventures. He is also co-founder, co-founder and chairman of BeLife, a wellness innovation company, and co-founder and chairman of MoviePass, a subscription service for movies in theaters. Previously, Hame was an entrepreneur in residence at True Ventures after exiting another company that he founded called Next Medium, which was acquired by Brand Affinity Technologies. Prior to founding Next Medium, Hame advised Nielsen Media Research in the development of the first product placement measurement service for network and cable television. Hame was also a general partner in the New Africa Opportunity Fund, a $120 million venture capital fund, which was the first U.S.-backed venture fund investing in post-apartheid South Africa. A leader in both the Los Angeles and wider entrepreneurial communities, Hame has received numerous awards for technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship, including a Top 10 Black Innovators Award and was named by Business Insider Magazine, one of 2014's 46th Most Important African Americans in Technology. Hame sits on the board and or advises several companies and organizations. He has frequently been noted in the national press for innovation in media and entrepreneurship and has been featured in publications such as Entrepreneur, The Wall Street Journal, The Los Angeles Times, and Forbes. Hame currently lives in Los Angeles with his wife and my dear friend of many, many years, Joy, and their son, Zion. And Hame is also from an HBCU, Historically Black College and University, like Richard. He um, has his BS from Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University. Welcome. A proud congratulations. It sounds like uh, you're the guy. Folks, if you got content and you want to move it, you might want to call this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Hame is the guy. Hame is the guy. Hame's it's always been like a brother to me, though, you know. It's such so a, you, it's, you, you read my bio so wonderfully. I, mean, I, I, didn't, I, I feel more important than I think I really am, to be honest. I, I, I mean, I have but to say, you. as silly as it sounds, I've always had kind of a brother, we've always had kind of a brother-sister relationship, a bit antagonistic sometimes. So I have yeah. to say, reading this, I was like, wow, he's the man. I was really impressed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give a brother some love this time, and then I'm going to go back to razzing each other. Okay, fair enough. So, 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 Hame, you've been doing really interesting work for as long as I've known you, many years now, um, in the entrepreneurial space and also in having some experience in the venture capital world. Most recently, you've been um, called upon to help frame the issue and speak as a person who's an entrepreneur and also a venture capitalist about issues of diversity and innovation in the technology industry. So it's really interesting to have you here today to talk with us. As you know, and as all of us know, um, listening to this show, uh, diver- diversity, innovation, and technology is all the buzz lately, right? Intel dropped yes. that huge bombshell recently, $300 million commitment to increase workforce diversity by 2020. There have been a lot of articles and blog posts about diversity and innovation and technology. We have the South by Southwest conference that's coming up in Austin just a couple weeks from now. and. Right. And Hame, you just sent this to me as well. There was the National Venture Capital Association made an announcement on Monday that they are also going to make a commitment to increase their representation of women and people of color in the venture capitalist community. So there, this is this is really the topic of the of the hour. So thanks for being on with us and helping us to just explore it. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I think you know what one thing that that's interesting is I stayed away for this from this diversity issue for a while. I just felt like I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to be the only brother in the room that wanted to talk about diversity and 
people are rolling their eyes, and I didn't want to be sort of put in that box, so to speak. But now I'm really embracing it, and it, I think it's become, you know, part of my sort of quest for innovation has led me down the diversity track, and it's gotten me excited that, you know, you know, diversity really is a prerequisite for innovation. Yeah. Before we before we were on the air, we were talking a little bit about you know the the incentives for really exploring this topic deeply, and it's not just about you know making sure that people you know women and people of color have more access to the tech industry from a you know just from a financial or, or you know workforce representation point of view. We talked about other reasons why it's so important to have diverse representation related to innovation. Can you just talk to us a little bit about? Um, you know, your philosophy around that? Yeah, I think it, it starts, you know, people ask, what is the goal for innovation? What, what is the reason? I think, you know, younger folks will say, hey, I want to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. I want to you know, be really rich. So certainly wealth is one of the reasons why innovation is important, one of the reasons why I'm just thinking about it. But the thing that I focus on uh, in, in the innovation world is, is solving real problems. And I think that solving real problems certainly is, is where it, the ultimate outcome goal is, and, and certainly wealth and jobs and all kinds of other things come out of that. But if you've got creative tactics to figure out ways to solve problems like diabetes or, uh, or other major issues that we're dealing with, then, then we're going to make this world a whole lot better of a place. And I think to the extent more people are innovative thinkers, we have a better shot at solving some of these issues. Pretty, it's pretty in- exciting, even when you mention something like diabetes and, and healthcare issues like that, you know, just to think about um, diversity at, a, at even a global level, right? And thinking about the fact that we just recently are opening up, you know, Cuba and, and Cuba has access to so many medical doctors and maybe there's, you know, opportunities for interesting um, experiences or collaborations or sharing of resources and information that, you know, we'll have access to through experiences like that. Or, um, you know, when we think about things like, um, and I was talking to you about this also, you know, thinking about the, 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 the real needs that exist in some third world countries, for example, that are forcing uh, what uh, some people are calling frugal innovations, you know, in order to, to um, make ends meet, you know, to have access to clean water or electricity or to sanitation and they're right. innovating because they need to. And the, those folks that are in those situations, whatever those situations are, are not the mainstream folks that we've traditionally had access to in, uh, you know, our current tech infrastructure. And so this is really about thinking, you know, making it possible to have access to the broadest array of people and resources and experiences and talents in order to solve real-world problems now and in the future. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you think about even in our own communities, you know, as, as much as 30, 50% of our communities can be suffering from diabetes. Yeah. I mean, this is, if there were people literally attacking 50% of the people on the street, everyone would be up in arms. So we just have to bring more visibility to some of these big problems and think about necessity, you know, that old that old phrase that says necessity is the mother of invention. How does that go? Something like that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You nailed it. Okay, necessity is the mother of it. So you think about that and you think about uh, the people who are innovating, the people who are actually being funded to solve real problems. You think about what that community needs to look like. They don't really look like the people that are facing all of the problems. And I think that's why we have to look at the value chain. That's why we have to look at the whole ecosystem to making sure that we're being as inclusive as possible 
because all these problems need to get solved. And again, necessity being the mother of invention, who better than to solve these problems than the, than the folks that are living in the communities that have them? I mean, when you say when you say we need to look at the value system, what do you mean? The the value chain. Tell me, just help me understand that in more kind of layperson words. What does that What does that mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think about from from the top of the sort of economic food chain, or that. Let me say the innovation food chain. So I think about the people that fund the entrepreneurs that go on to solve these problems. That's the venture capital community. That's the community that I'm part of now. Proud to be part of a, a LA's largest venture capital firm called Upfront Ventures. We just raised our fifth fund. It's about $280 million. And, you know, they're, they're funds like ours around the country. And unfortunately, they're not terribly diverse. So when I think about this, this food chain, I talk about this ecosystem, if the groups at the top, the firms at the top of that food chain that decide which founders get to go on and, and, and try crazy things to, to try to solve some real problem. Look at that group and you see, you don't see much diversity, then the likelihood that those entrepreneurs and founders will be diverse goes down. doesn't mean that they're not going to exist, but it just goes down. And, and if you see less founders that are diverse, it means that you're probably going to have fewer executives or employees of those founders that are diverse. And then if you go below that, you think about the problems that are getting solved or need to get solved. If you have fewer founders and fewer executives that are going, you know, going after real-world problems that they care about, they're probably not going to get to all the problems that we all care about. Right. So I don't know if that's clear. I almost feel like I, I want to draw a picture of that food chain. Maybe I should. But I, I, got, I got it, though. I, yeah, it was a helpful. It was really helpful. We need it's, to- really, it's really a choice and, and choose to some of these companies when they go out and what is it they're looking for. What's important to them? What brings them a quicker return and more so a, a better issue globally or humanitarian? You know, uh, I mean, as you look at the NFL, it's one of the largest companies out there, and a lot of folks didn't know. The big part of it is the 501c3 part of it. You know, it's billions and billions of dollars. You know, like on a plane, they tell you put your mask on first before you help someone else. So. Yeah, right. it's it's part of you know doing what you have to do. You have to have some vision, but you have to put a stake in the ground, and you have to say that I'm going to be here, and I see what's coming, you know, and I got to keep myself, I got to keep you know the door open. I got to make sure the mail lady continue dropping off a location so I can get my blessings. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I like that metaphor that 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 you know help help people help yourself before you help uh, your your. Your, your mate or your, your child, I think about that in the, in the venture capital business and the entrepreneurial business. If I think about my first company um, and, and sort of the lucky breaks it took for me to get funding and ultimately to grow the company, um, you know, it, it oftentimes came down to that first lawyer, a uh, gentleman by the name of Isaac Vaughn, who was at Wilson Sunsini, who, who took a bet on me as a lawyer and helped me get introduced to a lot of the venture capital firms that ultimately invested in the company. My first investor was a firm called Ascend Ventures. A gentleman by the name of Daryl Wash uh, wrote that first check. And it was interesting because, again, going back to your metaphor, I, I was very fortunate to have some investors that did not look like me. But those early investors that did look like me, it was almost like they were helping themselves, if you know what, you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to stretch that metaphor too far, but it's just, 
you know, at, at the earliest, earliest days, you have to take a risk, and there's always going to be a leap of faith. And it's very helpful when you're from the same culture to take that little leap, right? And again, along, along the path, I've been blessed to have had work with people of all colors that have taken risks on me. But I just want to throw that out. It's just, it's just such an important piece of it. You know, you know, you don't make that higher oftentimes if it's too risky if you can't see a little of you in that person. Because yeah, I think yeah. to some extent we all work in our self-interests. Let's pick up on that when we come back, because that's exactly the right place to pick up on is to talk about, you know, how do we take something like what you just gave as an experience that was an exception and make it into something that's actually programmatic and or sustainable over time, which is the aspiration of some of these big companies that are making these uh, significant commitments going forward. So let's switch gears for a few minutes. And while we're at commercial break, break, please visit our website at www.deattajones.com to check out our latest blog post, including the one on today's show. Or hit us up on Twitter at Dieta M. Jones, at Richard underscore Dent 95, and at Hame, H-A-M-E-T, Watt, W-A-T-T. We want to hear from you. Please post your thoughts. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dieta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. 
We are here with special guest Hame Watt, and we are talking about diversity, innovation, and the technology field. And before we went to break, we were talking about um, uh, your experiences, Hame, as an entrepreneur and, and now as a venture capitalist, and how familiarity, cultural familiarity, was really helpful to you in creating additional access points that allowed you to get some of the breaks that you've had along the way, especially as an entrepreneur. But let's juxtapose that with, you know, the, the recent article that came out just a, a few weeks ago in, in Tech Republic. And it talked about how venture capitalists don't fund black-owned firms. And, and you know, w- w- your, your experience was definitely that you got funding and you had some breaks, but you also described having specific people who took a chance on you and also people who saw some of themselves in you because there was a, a shared cultural experience or, you know, a perception of a shared cultural experience. Will you talk to us a little bit about kind of how the innovation pipeline works? How is it that we create more opportunities for people like you who are entrepreneurs and who have innovative ideas to be able to get into a VC relationship or to get into the innovation pipeline? You know, ultimately, I think the, the reason people will em- embrace diversity for, for innovation or to fund new companies is, is going to come down to dollars and cents. I don't believe that it's going to be, you know, rooted in any sort of altruistic, you know, belief. I think it's going to come down to um, investors understanding that there are some uh, hidden gems um, in in communities or cultures that they had previously overlooked, um, and it may be because of their exposure to problems that that other communities may not have been able to experience, or it may be because of other reasons. But I think that's going to be um, the root of it, and I think. You know, the smarter investors, um, I think we, you know, I'll include our firm in that, um, are, are making concerted efforts to do it. Um, I mean, one of my, uh, partners, Mark Suster, is probably, probably one of the most prolific bloggers in the whole venture capital industry. And he, he talks about, um, looking for innovation in, in less obvious places because that's almost the definition of innovation right. is different. It's not, it's not in plain sight. So um, I think, you know, as we see more of that, as, as investors start to realize that there's better returns in, in, in looking in, in unobvious places and in, in, in reaching out to, to people of color that may not have been, uh, that may not have gone to the same school or that may not speak the same language, cultural language, so to speak, you know, understanding those differences and trying to take some risk on those, I think, will will one day bear some fruit, and then that's just going to create a whole lot more uh, more activity in the whole investment landscape and beyond. Okay, so I'm going to push this a little bit. So you just mm-hmm. talked, you just said, and I I agree with you, but I'm going to push for the sake of exploring this. You just said that you know what people look for, venture capitalists look for, is really innovative ideas, something that's not obvious, something that's particularly new or different, right? Out of the box. Just, right, okay, out of the box. But that also means that it's riskier. From a venture capitalist point of view, the probability, is, you know, there's, there's more risk associated with something that's so far from the known or so far from my known, so far from right. my, not, my experience not, today. Not if it's service related to meaning that you know if it if it has a monthly you know revenue stream to it and it's it, it's a possibility of p 
people using the service or the benefit, then the, the rest is getting access. Fair, like a phone service or a utility. Well, it can be anything. It could be, right. you know. Uh, well, it could be a phone server. I, I know someone has a technology that gives your phone security, so meaning that if someone picks your phone up, it, it goes off. Or if you run with it, it, it you know, if it sends certain motion, stuff of that nature. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. But the but the other but so so but the the other question is and it, so it's it's a kind of how you package it but it's also packaging something to be really innovative. I'm thinking of myself as an innovator, for example, and I I wouldn't necessarily put myself in this category. But I'm if if I have something that I think is really innovative, I need to care about it being really different and unique. But I also need to make sure that I'm packaging it in a way that mitigates your risk. Well, the packaging part, I would think, and you can help me out with this, is that you're putting it on a network, and someone is already selling your type of stuff or something that goes with it. So the point of it is you need access. What you have is a, is a product that you want to put on a chain line to a phone company or to a utility or to a investment house or who have the resources or who or stores or whatever it may be that where people buy and do things and, and that is where I think mm-hmm. the venture capital perhaps come in with funding but it's good to have smart money yeah no I, I would say that in, in general you know, it, it, there's two things I think it's, it, this might be what you're speaking to Richard which is there's the innovation and the idea part of it, which is a great, you know, building a great product or conceptualizing a great product. And then there's the actual execution of it and making it something that's real and something that can get distribution, that can get out there, that can get picked up. And one of the things that's so interesting about today, and to some extent this begins to level the playing field, um, and that is, you know, the, the cost to start a company and the cost to build an initial product to get basic proof points, basic proof points on whether customers want it, basic proof points on whether they're willing to share it and use it, the cost for that has gone down so dramatically that many more people can get in the game. Right. And once, once, once more people get in the game and start putting numbers on the board, and when I say numbers on the board, that's the proof points that any investor needs to see, whether it's, oh, my goodness, this product looks amazing, oh, my goodness, the consumer loves this product. Oh, my goodness, the consumer is engaged with this product for a long, long time. Oh, my goodness, an advertiser now wants to pay for it. I'm just giving you one example. Right. The, the, the path to get to that point is so much shorter now than it has been in the past because of the cost and because the tools are so much more affordable. It, it's meaning that more people can, can play it. Hopefully that means more people can, so to speak, get discovered for their ability to to conceptualize an idea and actually execute it and make it real. Nice, right? And then, and even you know, other funding options where people can, yeah, can can have uh, plenty of options for seeding initial ideas. And then, but the, but it's a, it's on the individuals at the individual level to package, right? To be thinking about what is it that is, uh, what are the appropriate kind of criteria and variables that you consider as a venture capitalist important for you to have. Um, to make a full decision, it's not. It's not just, you know, you know. Do you look like me, or did we? You know, do, am I trying to meet a diversity goal? It's really about presentation and packaging, and that's a, that's another point that I want to talk about well, when we come back. Is how is it that we, 
you know, enable since since it's since there's so many more access points than there have been in the past, and since yeah. the the time to realization is so much shorter, then how do we help? Um, you know, what are some of the ideas that are out there about helping a broader array of people think about how they can, you know, be innovators or enter into uh, the tech and innovate in innovation worlds in more meaningful numbers than they have in the past? Let me switch well, us out just for one more time, just to go to a break, and then Richard, I promise we're going to start with you. I'm sorry, I'm taking up no, your okay. space here. So we're going to switch oh, gears for a minute. We'll, while we're at commercial break, please check out our uh, our website, www.dietajones.com, or send us, um, uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Jones at uh, Richard underscore Dent95, and at Hame Watts. We look forward to hearing from you. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dieta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. We're back and continuing our conversation on diversity, innovation, and tech with entrepreneur and venture capitalist Hame Watt. So, Richard, before we went to break, you were talking about it's not just, you know, about having breakthrough innovation all the time, but a lot of times about kind of incremental or new angles for making things available or accessible, more broadly or diversely accessible. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, if people have technology feel or have a mind or a vision about things, and sometimes it's being a hybrid to other technology that's out there. You know, the big, the big space right now in the utility space 
is in the communication space is bandwidth. How we get we get the band to the curve outside, but now we got to get it in the house. Nobody's running Cat Five, Cat Six in the house anymore, you know. But you got a piece of copper going into the house. You got an old telephone line going into the house, and you got the electric copper line going in the house. So, which one of those could be a good network to use? Which I've done broadband over power line before. So, and it's all about you know. Which one got the best speed? What kind of service I put on each one of those networks, or whatever you know, whatever you have a vision for, some things are already out there, but they need enhancing. Right, right, exactly. Let me, let me, um, let me uh, ask you, Hamay. Uh, I'm going to switch switch to asking you a little bit about some of the wisdom that you've been imparting on folks when when you've been called upon to speak on this topic recently. I know that. You know, in the last year or so, you've been asked and invited by major tech firms at the kind of C-suite level to come and talk about this topic, diversity, innovation, and tech. What are some of the things that they're um, asking you to help them think through or some of the things that you're sharing with them as far as words of wisdom? You know, I think it's it's been spawned by this movement that you spoke to. I think someone did a study and learned that only 2.7% of all of the uh, employees in, in the whole high tech industry were uh, were diverse, um, and so that's that spawned all this curiosity around. Well, geez, what we what are we going to do about that? And then, as you mentioned, uh, recently the National Venture Capital Association took that data and tried to look at at, at their own industry, at the venture capital industry, to see, you know, how many basically how many black folks, how many people of color are in the venture capital industry. And what they learned was that they were very, very, very few, sub, probably sub 2%, maybe even sub 1%. So I think it's, it's, that, that was the catalyst. And then I think as, as people start to think about uh, the innovator's dilemma, which, which you probably yeah. talked about before, but larger companies just trying to figure out how they can innovate despite their size. They're looking for every way to innovate that they possibly can and open it as many different perspectives on that as possible. And so what I've tried to focus on is the notion that, again, uh, diversity is a prerequisite for innovation. And the metaphor I always think about is if you have blinders on, sort of you're not looking at all groups, you're not looking at, you know, in all directions, you're only going to see what's in front of you and you're probably going to miss some stuff. And I think that that metaphor, I think, holds true in, in, in trying to build teams and invest in companies and so on and so forth. I'm sorry, Richard. No, no. I, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's true. But, you know, and again, you say why people, you know, everything is not physical, but yet, you know, and, uh, why is it that people look at, you know, not looking at African American, Hispanic, or Indian, or whatever it may be, and when you when you're talking about these people, you know you look these opportunities not just going to come up just because the words out there looking for diversity and this and that, but you know you have to first of all find the places to go. You know you have to live that culture, and you got to find out who's in the room. You know, but yeah. it's it's if, if if you dreamed it and you felt it and you saw yourself doing it. It's all about it's all about getting up and do it. You know, God give you the ability to dream, but He won't He won't work on it. So you got to get up and you got to bust that tool like you never buffed anything before. 
So this is where this is where I this is where I really have some questions. Not because I don't I agree with you, Richard, that we we definitely need to know who's in the room, get more folks in the room, increase our access points. But I my my big question is if it was just about kind of reaching out to folks and finding new ways to stimulate, you know, the 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 conversation and increase access points, we'd have made more progress than we have by now, right? You know, you you just said sub two percent, you know, how many? Maybe sub one. I mean, look, we look at the the you know, we have now that uh, with the departure of Don Thompson as the CEO of McDonald's, we have less than one percent. Uh, African-American CEO, Fortune 500 companies. We have 4% uh, minority total representation uh, CEO, Fortune 500 companies. That's not tech-specific, but it definitely is indicative of, you know, where we are today, even though for 30 years we have been plugging away at pretty substantial kind of measures to have an impact on diversity. So things like internships and having a relationship, a formal relationship with a minority serving in a university or college or having employee mm-hmm. uh, resource groups or, you know, things like that, having a diversity goals built into into leaders' uh, performance goals. We've been doing those things for a long time, and I've been absolutely right there, you know, doing it too. But now I'm starting to question, well, heck, how is it that, you know, a big company like Intel is going to have breakthrough um, performance experience related to this issue of representation of, of, of women and Hispanics and black folks in five years if it's just more of the same, what what is it that we're going to do differently or more of in the future that's going to get us to to really having the kind of diverse representation that we're espousing? Yeah, I think I, hopefully the intels of the world will will understand that some of the old tactics may not have been the best, and that they do they almost need to innovate in this area. They need to <laughs> innovate in the area of of of, of diversity. And inclusion, and I think um, you know from what I've heard and the conversations I've had with the folks at Intel, I've been encouraged that they're 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 looking at and open to different approaches. One of the things that that I've I've noticed recently, you know, is the relationship that the the entrepreneurial economy has on the the, the diversity in high tech firms, and the reason for that is because a lot of these larger high-tech firms are actually growing their teams through acquisition. Mm. And that means they have to have companies to go out and acquire, and that means obviously they're, it, it, to the extent they're not enough diverse companies or diverse entrepreneurs, even at the startup stage, they're not going to be able to build that next rank or that, that, that next group of executive talent because they would have acquired that talent. Um, so that's another, again, it, to some extent it's selfish because I'm always looking to hire more people to do entrepreneurial things, but I think it, it also, you know, puts the ball back in, in our community's court to support more and more entrepreneurship, um, because not only does that lead to the solving of the problems, but it also leads to certainly wealth creation, but also this, this issue that we see at the larger tech companies, which is very few executives that are, are diverse. Right. Well, access is very important, you know, and if if people can't find you or if you're not in this, you know, sometimes, you know, God bless you in many ways to do things that maybe not be ordinary that what you normally do. And sometimes you have to you have to listen deep inside as, of, you know, you, you have to change your script sometimes. You have to do things a little different. But, you know, when you look at, you know, where we were six years ago, you know, where, you know, your first black president and here's a country ready to fall over, couldn't pay his bills. 
and you look at where we are now. So everything in this at this point, when I told this story about Barack, you know, here's a guy, you know, uh, two years before he ran for president, he didn't have a job. And you tell me you can get a job, then mm-hmm. you become senator and you become president. You know, if it's a will, if you got the will, it's a way. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of that is relationships, taking a variety of different it, approaches. Yeah. Getting in the right room, meeting the right people, just talking, spinning your story. What is it you're trying to do? You have to live it. You have to be in it. Interesting. That's exactly right. So one of the things that's really interesting, especially from since both of you um, are from historically black colleges and universities. You hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I think those black colleges, they prepare the kids for, you know, how the world is going to perceive them and how you're going to, you know, maneuver yourself through the world. We're not sold on, you know, alumni and, and the name of the university more so than, you know, the trials and tribulations that you're going to be facing throughout your life. Well, but the other thing, one of the other things that's really important, especially if, if what you're saying, and, and both of you have shared examples from your own experiences and as, you know, black men who are entrepreneurs in the tech field, that both of you have relied heavily on relationships and that you that you're, it's not just uh, one set of relationships, but it's about diverse relationships, that you've cultivated relationships with all sorts of people over the course of a very long period of time in order to then be able to get you know, some traction along the way. And that's, that's another thing that's really interesting to think about. You know, how is it that, you know, we, we you know, we, um, you know, potentially like in an HBCU community, for example, preserve the sense of identity, definitely encourage the sense of community, but also make sure that those, that those relationships aren't insular or, you know, lacking the, the deep, meaningful relationships with other kinds of institutions along the way where, you know, the other kinds of conversations about funding or positioning or exploring possibilities and partnerships is happening. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think, you know, both being, being a proud graduate of Florida A&M University, um, as much as I, I, I love our HBCU community, we don't necessarily do as good a job as we should in really being as curious about other networks, uh, other universities, other approaches, uh, you know, that are happening around the country. And I think it's to some extent the same thing that we might accuse the, you know, the mainstream population of doing, which is, which is not, you know, know, taking those blinders off and being curious about as many different environments, as many different cultures and groups and uh, companies or whatever as possible. And I think, you know, when I, when I spend time with, with folks in the HBC community, that's one of the things I'd like to, you know, I, I try to communicate as much as possible. Be curious. Yep. That's, that's sort of the first thing to do in innovation. Try new things. Go visit Stanford. Go visit some of the mainstream schools that are having, you know, really good experiences uh, creating innovation or creating cultures that, that really spawn innovation. Yeah, curiosity is is the ultimate thing, you know. You, you you may not know something, but or you may not be that smart, but you're curious as hell. We'll take you a lot of places. And, you know, it's it's hard to do something out here by yourself. You know, there's people here, right. you know. It's, that, that's the only way you can come up, and that sometimes that's the only way you can go down, meaning being with the wrong people or getting with the right people. Right, right. 
So we're, we're going to go last time. We're going to switch gears one last time. And then when we come back, I'd like to just a little bit more on this, this last point. Talk about okay. some, of the, some of the cultural uh, implications associated with taking risk. Right. This is something that we've talked a little bit about, but I just want to see if there's anything there that would be important for us to to end on. Um, let's switch gears one more time uh, while we're at commercial break. Check out our website, www.dietajones.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Dieta M. Jones, at Richard underscore Dent 95, at Hamet Watt, H-A-M-E-T-W-A-T-T. We'll be right back. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dieta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. We're back and continuing our conversation on diversity, innovation, and technology. So right before our, our break, we talked a little bit about, you know, having, making sure that we have access to diverse networks and that there's a lot of, you know, that people need to inherently be curious. But one of the other things that we've talked a little bit about, um, not on air so far, is about how there might be different uh, kind of cultural realities associated with risk. So, you know, for example, there, you know, somebody may come from a cultural background that is more predisposed to, even with an engineering degree, go into an engineering firm or, you know, go into a, a lawyer position than to, to pursue, something, pursue an, uh, an area that seems more uh, risky, like being an entrepreneur. Uh, Hame, I know you and I have talked a little bit about this. Have you had any 
insights or experience related to this, especially as you've been out there talking with different folks in the in the tech industry? Yeah, you know, and I think you and I may have talked about this, but it, it really hit me when I was talking to a buddy of mine that works at a very large Japanese conglomerate, and I was just asking him about the innovation ecosystem and really the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Japan. Like, are there lots of startups or people starting companies? And he said, yes, but... And this, this is where it got real interesting. He said that the, the downside for failure is, is a hundred times more severe in, 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 in the Japanese market than it is in the U.S. market. Now, again, this was just his opinion. I don't know all this to be a fact, but he just went on to elaborate that if, you know, someone were to start a company and it were to fail, it could have an impact on the family and kids and schools and all that stuff. And it's just really a lot of downside if, if someone starts something and it doesn't work. And I started to think, just sort of look in the man in the mirror and say, are, are our communities like that to some extent as well? And I think you know, the way I came away from it is I, I feel like in some cases they are. I think in some cases, especially for those of us that are fortunate enough to go to great schools and do well in school, we have an opportunity to go to an investment banking firm or to uh, a law firm or to go to become a physician. Those are the career paths that our parents and our grandparents and our communities have, have revered and have, have nudged us to. Even if we may have had an entrepreneurial curiosity, I think we're encouraged not to go down that route in many cases because there's not as many success stories that they can point to. And there's a lot of downside if, you know, someone were to go out and try something, which is the definition of sort of entrepreneurship and innovation to some extent. And if they try something and it doesn't work, it feels like the whole family potentially pays a price. And so I think that construct should change. I think, you know, certainly my, my father and my mother were very encouraging and my brother and I to take risks. And I think that's a big part of why we ended up going down the road, the entrepreneurial road. But I don't know that that was common um, amongst all families. And so as I raise my nine-year-old, I, I do hope that we encourage him to take those risks. And we're, we're letting him know that, you know, part of the journey is trying a bunch of times. And it, it, that, that's just the nature of the beast. Right. I think what's really important is you have to master something. You know, whatever that may be, you get one blessing, then you get another one. But the point of it is some people try to put so much out in so many different places. You know, I say if, if you love something and if you could work at it and they're not going to pay you for it, but yet you service, but you get paid. You look at it. I look at it that way. That's what I enjoy. But yet, you know, if you enjoy what you're doing, because we all have something that we're special at, and not many people right. find out what they're special at. And if you can find that, that will lead you into many other things. But just if you know how to do it once, you know, people say, oh, you're going to fail. What, what is it that you're going to have to fall on? Well, you know, I've, what I'm going to have to fall on that, you know, I'm, I'm dedicated, I'm educated, you know, and I know what I want, and, and I'm going to get up and try. Yeah. So when you know that you tried and you put your heart and work to it, you can always regroup and start on something else. Right. Yeah, is that's a, a really good point. I, I, I think, you know, that. I think that's probably the most important point, which is whatever it may be that you're doing, you decide an entrepreneurial path, it's not for the faint of heart. You have to be, <laughs> right? you, have, you have to find that, 
that passion that, that when someone says, what are you going to fall back on, to your point, Richard, you're falling back on, you're doing exactly what you want to do and what you're put on this right. Right. Now, if you're not doing it right, you know that you didn't do right. So if you can step outside of yourself and look at yourself and say, hey, you know, I'm doing what, you know, but you're the only one who can answer that question. Right, right. That's right. I, 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 I agree with you wholeheartedly. And the other thing is that once you learn how to master something, you also learn the discipline that goes into Correct, right. gaining yeah. mastery. And that, and that discipline is necessary in order to be a successful entrepreneur because you're going to fail. That's the most important as, part. Not more than you're going to succeed. And that's the definition of you yes. know, creativity and innovation. And that's what you have to fall back on. Discipline. Absolutely. A lot that, of folks that's don't have discipline. Yeah, and the vision. Well, I would, I would also say that, and I agree with you, that we have, you know, young children and we have the ability to reinforce the messages that we're talking about here. But I definitely encourage these big companies that are thinking about new approaches to really think about things like, you know, pretty serious root cause analyses that, not to say that they haven't or they aren't, but that really distinguish cultural uh, you know, variables so that, yeah. you know, approaches can be broken down according to the different cultures. So, for example, Hispanic, we can't say Hispanic is a category, right? That's that's not one category. That's a dozen plus right. categories, you know, that might have very different worldviews and experiences with hyperinflation and things like that that are going to have serious um, implications. So I really, you know, hope yeah. that, you know, a number of different um, perceptions yeah. are taken into consideration. Yeah, I mean, before we... we- Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It, you know, and when you're talking about different, you know, cultures and whatever, you know, case in point, I look at, you know, I've been in the energy business, people in these offices downtown, they're not going to invest, they're not going to put money in, they, you know, they'll just continue buying because that's a building, they don't own it. But a community, a person, a home, see, I'm interested in smart communities, see, educating smart communities, I mean, and and working with that mayor to making his community as smart as whatever that community wants to do. And that community buys. You're going to invest in your home, okay? You're going to invest in the network at your house. You're going to invest in, the you know, being able to come together as a community. So aggregation is something that has the opportunity to buy in bulk, you know, because gas, water, lights, bandwidth, these things here, you have to have to be on the earth. So why is it that, you know, these communities come together and just purchase together and let the market come to you and choose your price or your customer that you may want? That's part of, you know, opportunities that's out there that are existing. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about not just aggregation from a utility point of view, but also as we think about, you know, collaborating, we, you know, right. reaching across and reaching out to people. Hame, before we, before we wind down, are there any other resources that you point, want to point us to or last thoughts that you want to leave us, our listeners with? No, you know, I, I think I've appreciated this, this time to chat. I think uh, the stuff that you're doing, Dee and Richard, are, are fantastic to sort of talk about these kind of issues. I think that's one thing that um, I think the tech industry and the venture industry has been hesitant to even just talk about them until very recently, so I appreciate you guys inviting me on the show and, and, and talking about it. I think my, my only plug, you know, I've, I've started a, a couple companies. One is called MoviePass. Go to MoviePass.com. Check that out. Look awesome. at Netflix for movies in theater. Uh, one price per month, unlimited movies in theater. Another company is called BeLife. We're going after stress. I have a fascination with the brain, and that's one of the things that we're, we're doing, taking a brain-based approach to 
solving the problem of stress that we all have. That's mybelife.com. How about the um, concussion I'm having here? Wait, 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 wait. We got we to wind it down. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. So, I'm going to check out not, Be Life. It's a wonderful know. app. I actually have it myself. It's absolutely wonderful. Hame, we want to thank you big time. And let's do more than just keep having conversations, folks. Let's figure out how to how to be helpful. Let's figure out ways that we can be part of this innovation pipeline and make sure that we are working together to solve tomorrow's problems. Until next week. Keep finding ways to make a dent in pursuit of your dreams, to serve your community, and to make our world better. Thanks again for tuning in. Please join Dietta Jones and Richard Dent for another edition of DJ and the Bear. We'll be back next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.